welcome to season three of the Lifestyle Chase, and I'm your host, Chris Little. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. To help this podcast grow, please share it on social media, rate five stars, tell your friends, and check out the past 140 episodes and counting. You can follow me on Instagram at Christian Little and at The Lifestyle Chase. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. All right, so welcome to The Lifestyle Chase, and I am joined by a returning guest, Lee Boyce. Um, This is episode 187. Uh, Pumped to have you on the show. Uh, It's been a long time coming. I'm excited to have this conversation. So how are you doing today? Doing good. Um, You know, over here, the lockdowns finally ended, which is great. So, um, or at least they got relaxed a little bit, which is great. So gyms are back in function, people can train their clients again, and hopefully we're not going to get uh, stuck in the same, you know, downward spiral that we were in the last year and a half. So everything's looking up, which is solid. Definitely. Well, I mean, to give people some perspective, what I like to do is often like point out when the last time the person was on the show. So the last time you were on the show was uh, March 2020. So what kind of timing is that? Like that would have put us in a, in a time of uncertainty, not really knowing what was going to happen um when you reflect on like the last year and a half like what were the things that challenged you the most like uh whether it be fitness or just life or or whatever what kind of stands out to you um you know like of course for the first little while before i was able to pull a few strings it was a matter of just having the motivation to even train and train well and having a space to do that and you know, you're stuck doing living room stuff and, you know, it wasn't warm enough to get outside just yet and do things on the field or, you know, you, you're not much of a runner, so you don't go out and do runs or anything like that. And so it was uh, it was tough. Just the training aspect, especially, was uh, was a really difficult uh, piece of the pie. Um, i trying to think of what else, you know, having no clients to work with was obviously a, it was a hit for everybody. Um, luckily for myself, I have a few different things that I do, but um, the clients made up a gigantic portion of it. Um, I, I do feel like I was able to make lemonade out of the situation in that it really opened my eyes to a lot of things uh, while I was uh, experiencing the lockdown and while I was in the situation where there were no clients and um, I didn't have to wake up as early. And just you, you get you get the chance to realize a few things about, you know, how you're approaching your fitness, what your levels of fatigue were, things like that. Right. And um you know, just better self-care, really, and ways to innovate and diversify your own training. And and just what do you do to get yourself through a situation like this and how much better it will prepare you for the next time anything causes a hiccup in your general flow or your routine? Yeah, well, I mean, something that I really liked about just you talk about the hiccup and the flow and all that stuff. What I realized was this revealed a lot of the things that I needed to work on, the things that I needed to be better at for anything that comes up in the future. Um, and then for, for myself, it just was a matter of like putting up better boundaries, having better communication, like less is more, all these different things where we're just refining our day to day or um, for the, for the last couple of weeks, for me, it's been an extra emphasis of putting myself first, like in a service industry where we often think that's the worst thing we could possibly do. 
that's been something that I've done for myself that's helped me. Um, what about you? Like for, for these hiccups and the bumps in the road, like what were the things that were revealed that uh, maybe you would change going forward for yourself? I was burning the candle at both ends for sure when it came to uh, how much I was working, especially with clients directly. Um, you know, I'm, I've always been very comfortable with the amount of volume that I have as a writer, um, comfortable with the amount of volume I have with a school schedule, with my teaching, and uh, comfortable with my online coaching clients as well. I don't keep like 50 or something like that. I keep a smaller number. So all those three aspects were, were good. But when you throw in, you know, waking up at 5 a.m. six days a week or five days a week for training clients every single morning, um, that, that makes it very difficult. It made it very difficult. And you don't realize just how much time uh, that takes up, how much energy that takes up, how much recovery you lack from having to wake up that early every single day. Um, it just it becomes part of the routine and you can get away with doing five hours or six hours of sleep every day as you start feeling like that's the new normal, but it's not okay. So that was what I was, uh, that this was the revelation was that I sort of had, and I was just, I was burning the kettle at both ends with all the different things that I was doing, but mostly through uh, the training clients. And it was also making me sacrifice the ability to train myself as much as I'd like to, or train myself as much as I am, but not focus on recovery quite as much, right? So um, even if I did get five or six workouts in a week, which was great, um, it would be like juxtaposed with a, a poor amount of recovery and uh, would ju be juxtaposed with, uh, you know, six hour night of sleep if I'm lucky type of thing. So, um, you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't ideal. And uh, this last couple of years almost has really helped me sort of change the way that I perceive that change the way that I approach that and uh, get better from it. And it's it's worked out pretty well so far. So something that stands out about you and your career from my point of view has been like the amount, the volume of like different articles that you put out. Um, would you say like during this time that that's been easier or about the same or surprisingly more difficult? Um, well, you have more time to do it. So that's for sure. And uh, it definitely kind of ramped up a little bit in terms of uh, frequency, especially depending on different publications we're talking about. Um, with that said, I found that what suffered tremendously over the last uh, year or so has been having much inspiration to do my own writing. So, you know, if Men's Journal comes to me and says, I need four stories on these subjects, I'm like, sure, no problem. This is in my wheelhouse. I know what to talk about. I can spit this out without a problem. Um, but when it's like, okay, now I need to write a blog article for my own website. And the, web and the blog article is usually inspired by things I see around me in the industry. It's usually inspired by things that aren't direct training content. It's usually inspired by, um, you know, just the sociocultural perspectives of fitness. And so when that's not really going on around you, that's not alive around you, when gyms are closed and members aren't there and training clients isn't a thing anymore and, and all that stuff, well, you have five fewer avenues to get inspired from. You know, you can't, you can't derive any inspiration from that. So... People might have noticed that I'm blogging, or I, I had been blogging far less frequently than I have um, in the past. And um, that was the main reason why. So, you know, it's only like if I wanted to talk about six ways to increase your bench press, that would be an easy blog to write, right? Because that's a pretty conventional sort of sets of topics to talk about is uh, direct training content. But just with the directions that I like to go with my own blog, I found that this was a lot more uh, of a challenge for me because I wasn't in the gym. I wasn't in the gym. And if I was in the gym, it was 
all alone in an empty space that I have the keys to because I can train there on my own, but there was no activity at the gym. So um, yeah, like I even, I, I made a, a tweet, I made a tweet a couple of weeks ago about this. Someone said, um, I remember being asked this question at one point, like, um, you know, you write so much content, you create so much content. Where do you find the inspiration to write so much? How do you come up with all these unique subjects and all that stuff? And so my answer in this tweet was 90, what was it? 45% training people, 45% training myself and 10% everything else, right? So the first two things, they happen in the gym, right? And so that's where I get a lot of my ideas from and say, you know what? Had this conversation with a client that I was training or had this conversation with a member at the gym or whatever, and they raise an interesting point. I want to extrapolate on that. And uh, it, it makes me uh, come up with 2,000 words to write as a blog. And uh, it usually strikes pretty well. But when you don't have that option, it's it makes it a lot more challenging. So, you know, it's just it makes it a little bit harder for you to, to come up with content. And it makes it a little bit uh, more of an uphill battle to to keep consistent with things like blogs and you just have to try to get through it. And that's what I tried to do. And um, yeah, the frequency definitely went down. That was one challenge for sure. That was the that was the number one challenge. Definitely. Um, did you notice any new sources of, of like inspiration? Like for, for myself, I noticed a very similar struggle with the podcast. Like before it would be, I would have all kinds of different topics to talk about. And then it was just like, all I had left was like the pandemic. It's like, okay, I'm going to talk to somebody else about the pandemic. But uh I I started to look deeper into different online conversations or I'd just observe different different things that I had access to instead of observing things that I didn't kind of thing. So like what what was your experience if I can kind of pick your brain? Um you know like the thing that I was able to focus on the most 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 during the course of the pandemic and luckily I'll say this luckily because a lot of people didn't have this opportunity is my own training in a gym, in a real full space and all that stuff. So in, in addition to the recovery, I was able to focus on getting into this gym that I had access to and training and making my exercise videos, making my posts, making my own uh, focus on my own uh, training and so on. And it led to some great results over the last year and a half. Um, I know that a lot of people didn't have access to any sort of spaces like that. And so they were stuck with, you know, stocking up their home gyms or doing bodyweight routines or getting out and running because they had no other options and so on. Um, so the thing that I think was the most like sort of relevation based was uh, for me was just the, the eye opening aspect of what areas of my own fitness I was lacking in or what areas of my own fitness that I was sort of dropping the ball in. Um, you know, I've always been somebody who's trained pretty well in the last decade and change, but you know, recovery, nutrition, those aspects, the, the outside aspects from the gym itself were things that I was able to really zero in on and, uh, you know, try to hanker down on so that it could uh, lead to better results. And uh, the fact that it gave me the time and the opportunity to do that, it was kind of a blessing in disguise because it really, really helped improve fitness overall. Definitely. And I think there's always other angles to look at it just for anybody that felt discouraged from the past while, like it's, there, there's a lot of value to be had from just doing like the body weight exercise, but being in the trenches and actually just like um, knowing what we know through the experiences that we've been through. Like I know for myself, like I, I had my living room, which is the same space that like my desk is in the corner. Like it's, it's my communal space. And I did my workouts here. I did my podcasts here. I did, I did everything in this one like little 300 square foot room. Um, 
but it it taught me a lot about uh, coaching because when I had to make myself do things, when I had to push against motivation, when I had to um, kind of just learn different positioning and learn my weaknesses and it was just me in my living room um, discovering all this stuff, it, it taught me a lot as a coach and I'm hoping that people are able to identify those situations like because no matter what pandemic or no pandemic, we're going to have times when somebody, somebody has variables that another person doesn't. Like somebody's always going to have a car and somebody else isn't going to have a car. Somebody's going to have a gym and somebody else isn't going to have a gym. But then what are we going to do with those cards? Um, to get us kind of back onto another new topic, uh, I get kind of inspired by just watching how you're consistently putting stuff out, but at the same time, you're striving for something new. Like, you have to have goals. It seems like you you kind of have goals with, with your content production, and I like to think about, like, consist consistent effort creating kind of like a, a compound effect. Like, for yourself, like... What is the fuel behind the snowball that creates this uh, content machine? Like, what is it for you that creates this the progress going forward, or or is there anything planned? Um, in a bigger picture, I guess there's a lot planned. Always, like I've always been self motivated, and I, I never want to kind of fall behind, for lack of a better term. I don't want, and this might sound the wrong, it might come out the wrong way, but I don't want to see people come and pass me by because I've been stagnant, right? Um, I want to be consistently putting content out. I want to always stay current, stay relevant. I want to be able to, you know, be able to hold my own for lack of another term. And um, that means that no matter how many years go by, you know, if I notice, you know, I haven't done any content for this medium or done stuff with this in the past, uh, for a long time, like, I'm going to get on myself to do it again, you know, and um, it means that I, it keeps me very, very busy. But I think that it's a good way to sort of just you, you get yourself exposed to multiple audiences and you keep them uh, keep yourself in their minds so that there's no drop off at any given time. And so that's always been my goal, like even with the very first article that I ever wrote in my entire life, which was for T Nation. Um, I said to myself afterwards, okay, well, the goal here now is to not be a one hit wonder. I want to make sure that I put out more stuff, uh, hopefully get in there maybe every month or a couple times per year, whatever it is. I just need to make sure that my face is being seen or that my content is being read um, on, on a fairly regular basis and that this doesn't end. You know, um, it's a small industry and you also don't want to burn any bridges, of course. So you just want to make sure that all the stuff that you're doing, you have kind of a, a greater picture or bigger picture, longer term approach to it. And that's, that's the way that I've always approached things. And that's kind of what's been its own motivator for me. I just, I don't want to fall behind. I don't want to fall behind. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's probably the way I see it as well. It's just like for, for me in my space, there's so many podcasts out there. There's been even more that have popped up during this time than ever. And yeah, it is exactly that for me too. It's just like, you want to finish what you started. You don't want anybody to pass you on, on the run. You know, it's a marathon, not a sprint, but you don't want to stop and uh, take a break for too long or slow down so much that you get lapped or anything like that. Um, with, within the industry, who are the people that you kind of like look up to that, uh, 
sort of almost remind you to keep going sort of thing when you're putting stuff out? Um, it's interesting because it's a blend. It's of course, like the people who are significantly older than me that I learned the most from when I was, you know, coming up and, and when I was really young. Uh, but also I do see a lot of people creating content who are like, you know, they're on their come up and they're just emerging and they're kind of just getting more notability now. And um, so those people as well, they're kind of pushing me from behind for me to keep on going forward because they might have even said that I was the one who inspired them. Right. And that I have they have learned from me. And so I want to sort of make sure that I can live up to that. And so I'm still putting out my own content and doing all my thing. But um, as far as names go, um, first names that come to mind, if I was to talk about the people who I looked up to at the beginning, um, Nick Tominello, uh, Dan John, uh, Mike Robertson, um, Paula Quinn's stuff was, was great. Um, who Brett Contreras. Um, you know, many of these people now I have the privilege of saying are, are uh, I'm cool with them and like, you know, in-person types of friends and so on. Um, but yeah, like Shad Waterbury's work was great as well. I've never met him, but he's uh, got some content that's great as well. Um, Christian Thibodeau, that's uh, another great uh, source. Uh, John Meadows for bodybuilding work. Uh, I could go on and on. I like Paul Carter's stuff as well. Now, um, if you talk about the people from sort of the other side of it, the people who are a little more like coming up and so on, uh, one of the first names that comes up to mind right now, and it's funny, he's older than me, but he's sort of had a little bit less time in this in this uh, spectrum or this part of the game, uh, is Andrew Coates, you know, good friend of mine, um, lots of great content. He's uh, emerged quite rapidly, actually, in the last, I'd say, year or, or two. Um, I was speaking at his uh, his event that he runs as well back before the pandemic started. Uh, the plan was to do it this year. We'll hope that it still happens maybe next year. Um, but yeah, no, Coates has a lot of great stuff and um, he's got a lot of knowledge, bodybuilding and strength training. Um, he started writing for T Nation as well. Um, you know, and we just we really we care about each other, man. We have a lot of uh, common interests. We have a lot of uh, respect mutually. So um, that's the first name that sort of comes to mind as far as uh people who you know, kind of came up after me for lack of a better term that, uh, you know, create motivation for me that I, that I really respect too. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's important to have those kind of people and it's always good to give Andrew a good old shout out. He was actually back on the show quite recently and it was kind of neat to reflect because like him and I are still contracting out of the same gym at Evolve. And so he's seen a lot of my career and he, he started his podcast about a year before mine and like, I mean, what the way I see it, I always look at the big picture. I am aware that no matter how many episodes I put out, I'm not necessarily, the episode isn't going to be what uh, helps me succeed. That's going to be like putting in the reps. It's going to be um, the volume of, of like work in my entire career, like every single training session, every, every like article that I write every seminar I go to it's it's like the entire volume of career capital but at the same time from like a, a numbers perspective I've almost surpassed his uh his total episodes with, with my total episodes and I started after him but like nonetheless um it is it's important to have people that have the have the best of intentions in their own career to keep us kind of accountable because like if if we could see someone else is just earnestly putting in a great effort, then it's going to help us to to put in a big effort as well. Um, with yeah. regards to conference, oh sorry, go ahead. 
Oh, no, so, yeah, so 100% completely agree with you. And, um, you know, when somebody is putting out, uh, you know, consistent content, it just, it does motivate you to continue doing the same thing. Um, you know, Megan Calloway is another name that I forgot to mention as well. She's got a lot of stuff coming out. She's rapidly uh, blown up in the last, um, I'll say, two years, year and a half, two years. So that's another person that definitely deserves a shout out there. Lots of great innovative ideas. Um, so, yeah, like with that sort of thing with like what you were saying about evergreen content and making sure that the content is uh, not just based on one post or one article, but it's based on a whole body of work. Um, that's definitely a way that I kind of uh, like to try to approach my stuff as well. You know, Facebook, for example, is burying my blog articles that I post right now. They like I'm the, the last couple that I've put out, maybe it's because I use it less often. I don't know what their algorithms are, or however it works. I'm not into that stuff, but I put the thing out, you know, it barely gets any attention compared to stuff that I've put out in the past on Facebook. And it's just like, okay, what's going on here? Right. But you got to just take your mind away from that and this one article. And, you know, it's there. It's not coming down. It's there forever. It's going to be on the website. It's going to be there. And, you know, just think about how it's going to sort of help your entire body of work. How does this accent your body of work? And how can you continue putting out more content like this? There's going to be one that everybody sees. And there have been ones that everybody saw. And this one might not be it. Next one, it might be it. You know, and if you keep on keeping that attitude, then you can't really go wrong. And um, you know, nobody can really dispute that. I wouldn't want to become, you know, famous off of one post or off of one article or off of one set of words that I put out because that's the easiest way for people to just fall off later on as well. They see your post, they follow you for 20 minutes and then all of a sudden they're like, okay, yeah, I'm not interested anymore. And that's it. I want the organic growth, the long time audience, the people who saw stuff from way back in 2009 on T Nation and whatever, you know, and, and they've seen this sort of evolution, for lack of a better term. They've, they've seen the different places, the diversity. They've seen the graduation from what I thought when I was younger about training compared to what I think about now when I'm approaching middle age about training, right? So that's, uh, that's the best way because you're going to have an audience that takes in your information and the information sticks and the audience sticks around as well. Definitely. And it's kind of funny that you talk about Facebook. Like, I mean, I'll see your stuff pop up on Facebook and I'll give it a like, like 90% of the time. But it's just, Facebook is just, Facebook is something that will humble us, but it doesn't need to. Because it's like you say, like it's up and then it's it's out into the into the internet kind of thing. Like as far as like search engine optimization goes, your Facebook posts are still going to provide your value kind of thing. Like um, something that I like to reflect on, I was helping one of my trainer friends with their website and I, I said, we just have to refine different things that you're already doing to make them a bit more visible so that when somebody goes and they Google your name that you pop up higher on the list. Like it's people are already writing articles and they're not giving themselves credit for what they already did. Um, because it didn't pop up on Google or, or, or something like that. Like maybe, maybe they did a project as they were doing like their schooling, like for some people, their, their, their course might require them to do an article, uh, for, for grades. Well, I mean, it might not be your best, but you could, as long as everything's accurate and, um, is written with integrity, you could still feature that on your website. Um, and it's just, the more that the industry or the people within the industry give themselves credit, the easier their their journey will be. I mean, I often find that people get in their own way. And when I when I talk about that, does anything kind of pop up for you? Have you kind of ever like uh, 
beat yourself down when you could all you could have just like uh moved forward kind of thing well i'll let you in on something every year i usually do uh i, I sort of make it the year of something you know i've been doing this since maybe 2012 or so uh 2000 and i can't remember which one was which now but like in one year it was the year of the tv i wanted to do a lot of tv stuff that year and so i set out to do that and i tried and i was able to do more tv work um the year of the podcast where i did a whole bunch of interviews and stuff like that that was another year the year of the print magazine where i wanted to get into a lot of print publications and so i did that etc etc so i always have a year where i sort of try to make that my underlying focus so that it sort of occupies the greatest piece of the pie um so this past year, you know, pandemic aside and so on, I, I was thinking about what I wanted to make it um, the year of. And, you know, it, it was, what, what was it? How is it going to, how do I want to even say this? Like, it was, it was more so the year of self-aggrandization. And that sounds horrible. But what I mean by that is I never, ever, for the whole time now have really ever done any forms of serious, like self-promotion, um, never done any kind of like, you know, come work with me or here's my resume in your face. Look at all the stuff that I've done type of thing. I've never come at the audience or the masses like that really ever. When I put something out, I kind of just let it speak for itself. And that's basically it. So 2021, I sort of said to myself, you know, I have some skin in the game now. It's been years. It's been a, quite some time. And I've done a lot of stuff. I think that, especially now that I have Instagram, which is something that's new to me, it's only two years that I've had this, you know, there's probably a lot of people who have, you know, hit the follow button on Instagram, knowing me just for Instagram and not really knowing me for any other stuff that I've done prior, you know? And so, I said to myself, you know, for at least those people need to know more and forget more information and have a little bit more of a background on like, you know, who I am, what I'm about, what I've done, what I do. And so, uh, yeah, I made this kind of the year of like self-promote, like just letting it be known a little bit more, you know, taking a step in towards that. Okay. I have something to show you guys kind of, kind of uh, side of the coin, you know, and not just waiting around for people to discover it on their own. And so that might in a backward way answer your question. Um, but yeah, that's what I've kind of been doing. Uh, and I've sort of dedicated a little bit more time, occupied a little more time uh, this year, particularly in doing that, because uh, I was shooting myself in the foot a little bit, or at least I was suppressing a little bit um, just the, the, you know, the, the scale to which, I've, to which I can uh, describe my, my own accomplishments or the things that I've done. You know, um, if I was to go you know, somewhere else in North America and give a talk at a big event to a few hundred people, you know, I would talk about that in one post after it happened. And that would be it. You know, if I got a major place in a big international publication, you know, I would talk about that after it happened and that would be it, you know? And so it's like, never really did anything to really, really like, you know, um, exalt myself or anything like that. And I think that's in the name of humility as well. But I also just wanted to make sure that I wasn't speaking out of my line, you know, speaking out of line or being out of turn with it and being somebody who was, you know, too inexperienced for, for one to, to even go that route with my stuff. But 
you know what, this year I said, okay, you know what, I think that it's an okay time to maybe do a little bit of that because I never did. And so people won't get too mad at me if I do. So giving it a shot. Definitely. And that's awesome. Like, first of all, I will say, good. I think that is awesome. I think that's important. And second of all, just give the audience some context. Um, because I've seen you present twice. I've seen you present in Kansas City. I've seen you present when you came to Edmonton. I've like talked to you in person. You're quiet. I'm quiet. We're both kind of quiet in person, but like you, you present in a very humble way. Like it is there. There's no smoke and mirrors. It's just straight facts. Like people are actually getting education and not getting ego. Um, so if ever there was someone that uh, should be pumping their tires a bit more, I would say it would be you. So I think I think you're on the right track. And I think honestly, if somebody was to be critical, if they went into like any gym, there's probably people with less experience, less accomplishments that are pumping their tires three times as much. And so like you, you are not doing anything in the wrong. It's, it's actually exciting to see because it's like, uh, it's like how you would feel, um, watching somebody like Andrew just crush it on social media or something. Anybody that's followed your work that gets to see you actually like step into your power kind of thing. Like, I don't know if that's the right phrasing, but it's just like just owning everything that you've done. That's, that's exciting. Then we get to see you on more stuff. You get more success. People recognize you. You get less trolls that will, you can't avoid tro trolls on the internet. They just, they just keep coming. It's like this uh, clown car of trolls, but like you can shut them up a little bit more concisely or uh, they just, what they have to say becomes less and less relevant. Um, and like, I, I would honestly, if anybody's listening to this right now, if they went and just Googled Lee Boyce, they, they'd be pretty stunned with the amount of stuff that they came up with. Like, that's something that I think uh, catches people off guard sometimes. Like, you talked about how people might only know you for Instagram. Like, if they only know you for Instagram, they're missing out. Something that I've done in the past, this past year, I reflect on other people's careers and I look back. Like, if they have a podcast, I look back to their first, like, 20 episodes if they have youtube like jordan side has youtube um go dig back to his earlier videos and that that kind of lights me up because i'm like okay like we're we're all like we're literally all in this together we're, we're playing the same game um but one person managed to get through everything that it took to get to their year 10 year 15 year 20 whatever it be for that person and the other person just still needs to pull up their socks and get through all that. Like, have you ever had to do something like that to kind of like uh, find your way through a challenging year? Like you've had a long career, so it couldn't have all been like uh, sunshine and, and roses or anything like that. Um, no, it wasn't. And uh, they're definitely slower. Like there were definitely slower components and, um, you know, times where you're not as motivated for one or times where, um, maybe business is even slow, you know, or, or times where like, I didn't always work for myself. I worked for companies back up until 2012. So there are points in time where you're sort of working for a place and you're kind of just like, uh, is this what I want to be doing? Is this paying, is this paying off the way that I think that it should be and so on. Right. Um, and you know, it, it, it makes, it, it leaves you at certain crossroads sometimes because, you know the volatility of an industry like this in the first place. I mean, look at how a pandemic just wiped us off the face of the earth for a while, right? But just in general, it's a very transient in, in, uh, industry where 
People are passing through it a whole lot. Um, people switch careers, switch out from it or switch into it, or they have it as a side job and so on. It's uh, unregulated. There's a lot of people who, uh, you know, might not be as fit or qualified to do this job compared to other people who are very qualified to do this job. And, um, you know, there's just a whole bunch of gray areas, right? Uh, now, with all of that said, it just makes it a little bit harder for you to always think positively long-term about the career aspect of this, this, this world. You know, it's all, it's, it's a little bit harder for you to think, okay, you know what, it's going to have me set. I'll be able to retire this way at this age doing this, you know, I mean, I'm sure that every trainer in the, under the sun has wondered if they're 30, they've wondered, you know, am I going to be training clients when I'm 59 years old in a gym while everyone else is like 30 or 25? Like, what's that going to feel like? What that's, what's that going to look like? Right. So there's always going to be a little bit of minor anxiety that exists for a trainer in the industry as a trainer trying to make a career out of this. Do you try to go a business route? Do you try to launch a product? Do you try to be a manager at an existing gym? Do you try to make your own gym? Do you stick with training people only? Do you try to educate and go that stream with things? And um, just that aspect of the industry, that uncertainty will create a little bit of, uh, you know, you, you, can, you can get a little bit off of your horse a little bit. You can be a little bit down about it at times if you don't stay motivated, stay focused and continue to inspire the, be inspired by people who have really made it work for them and uh, who have spent a lot more years in the industry, have skin in the game and, and who serve to inspire you. So um, that's one thing that I definitely did. And I have people who I look up to it gives me a good, you know, a conscious idea of what kinds of things that I respect, but wouldn't go into myself and what kinds of things I respect and would like to emulate myself, right? So that's uh, kind of my process. It's always been my process and uh, it's worked out so far and I just hope that it keeps on going. But uh, it's definitely a, it's definitely an ongoing battle. It's an ongoing thing that uh, I don't think it'll ever really fully go away, but I try to serve it or try to have it treat or serve as motivation to keep working hard and keep being honest with it. And um, only good things can happen. Right. And um, that's that's how I've been kind of uh, getting through everything. Definitely. I mean, it's an important point to make that like it probably doesn't go away, you know, like uh, people at the start of their career, whether they're a dentist or a physician or a trainer, like they're going to think that the people that have been at it the longest never doubt themselves or never have anxiety or never um, have things that trouble them. But everybody does. Like if we if somebody has a conversation with like an elder in their family, be it a grandparent or a parent, like they're still thinking the same things that their kids are thinking. Right. Um, and so that's just an important reflection for a person to remind themselves to keep their boat afloat. Just be like, okay, like just lean on somebody else, talk about it and then see how you can move forward. But uh, another topic that I kind of wanted to talk about just with regards to conferences, like, are you chomping at the bit to like get traveling again? Or are you kind of like in the middle? Like wh what's, what's your stance there? Yeah, no, I've been, I've been waiting to get back. I was on a real roll when it came to conferences in 2019. Uh, I got out to quite a few, maybe like six different places over, uh, over the course of the year uh, that weren't local. And then I did local stuff as well. Um, and then 2020 hit and I had, probably another four already lined up of the, that, that weren't said that were confirmed that didn't happen yet. 
And then I'm sure that I would have gotten maybe another four on top of that that would have been confirmed that same year. And uh, then, of course, March 13th struck, and then that was it. So uh, everything got canceled 2020, 2021, but uh, definitely ready to start back and uh, already got Seattle uh, lined up for September, which is good. So it's going to be a nice little reintroduction. I'm probably going to be quite rusty at this point, but it'll be good to get the feet wet again. Talking about some kind of subject that I'm uh, passionate about speaking about. So that's that right there is what makes it easy, at least that I, I, it's something that I'll want to talk about and uh, it'll be in my element, hopefully. So um, yeah, no, definitely ready to get back into it. And uh, I'm hoping that 2022 allows me to do uh, a lot of things that I was planning to do in 2019 slash the beginning of 2020. Um, and uh, traveling overseas to Europe to do a lot of talking there was on the bucket list. It was on the list. Like I was, it was down, it was going to happen. And um, then it just, everything got shut. Right. So uh, hopefully the Europe stuff does happen. Uh, I was supposed to do some stuff in uh, UK and uh, Amsterdam as well. And uh, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see if that goes down. But um, that that's the plan. So what are the aspects of like conferences that stand out to you the most, whether it be like from an educational standpoint or from like a, just a you, a you standpoint kind of thing? Now, when you say the aspects, are you talking about things that make me uh, like them the most? Yeah, I guess the, the things that uh, make you the most excited to go back to them or the things that like if, if you only have so much resources, the things that draw you to spend those resources on that thing kind of thing. Uh, this is uh, teaching groups of people. Uh, like, I'm a teacher as well. And so it's sort of in my ballpark to it goes really hand in hand with teaching students in a classroom. And then teaching, you know, other fitness professionals. Um, I do like to think and, you know, somebody who's been in my audiences would probably be better to say this compared to me. But uh, I do like to think that I bring a little bit of a different edge to the way that the information gets presented. Um, I try my best to make it feel like um, more of a conversation or more of a classroom kind of feel where I want the interaction. I want people putting up their hand or calling out answers when I give information or ask questions or put something out there. Um, I will bring people to the front to demo stuff while I do the thing, whatever it is, the hands-on thing. So like I try as much as I can to bring those kinds of aspects into it. And um, it, in my opinion, if I was an audience member, I would feel like it would be a little bit more involved and a little bit less of a less of a snore fest than just droning on for 90 minutes or two hours or whatever it is, where it's just slides and info and next slide and more info and just talking. And that's basically it. Right. So um, that's it. And it's it presents a great opportunity whenever I get the chance to speak to large groups so that you know, I can also sort of bring people's heads back down to earth in a way that's not in the stratosphere of all this research and all this super science and all of these studies and all of this stuff that is great information. But what about the plausible, applicable stuff that we can take, extract and do right in the gym with a client? What about the stuff that's going to make me say, oh, you know what? I've been studying so much about uh, the sliding filament theory and the Krebs cycle and all these philosophies for surrounding both of those things that I forgot that I don't know exactly what cues to give for a standard Romanian deadlift, you know, like just really basic stuff that we might need to brush up on, you know, basic energy systems, principles of training, biomechanics and technical breakdowns, all these things we 
need to always be the best at the basics because our clients know less than that. 90% of the people that a regular personal trainer is going to meet, they don't know anything. They can't tell you where their lats are, right? And so how good are we at giving this information to people and having them understand their bodies on a basic level and even simplifying very, very expansive and wide and vast subjects so that they can understand that too. So that's how I try to approach it. And that's why I really enjoy speaking so that I can help other trainers, other fitness professionals and so on, kind of be better at those simpler things and maybe even uh, offer up a couple of alternate perspectives on concepts of fitness, um, similar to the stuff I talk about, for example, in my blog articles and, uh, and, and stuff like that, right? I like talking about things that no one else really talks about, like, you know, uh, is conditioning workouts, uh, are conditioning workouts kind of going to uh, overlook things like the size of the individual who's performing them, right? There's a great conditioning workout, but what happens if we give this person who's 300 pounds the same 10 seconds of rest in this Tabata routine? They're probably going to get destroyed from that compared to a guy who's 150, right? So stuff like that is stuff that I like to talk about as well. And uh, as you might have seen, you know, with Tall Guy Tuesdays on Instagram and all kinds of stuff like that, I release a lot of content that sort of attacks that subject. Um, being a bigger guy myself, being a taller guy myself, you know, people who are pushing the scales of 225, 250, 275, they need, they need uh, information that's pertinent to them. And uh, generic programming might not be the best answer for them. And uh, strength standards might not be the best answer for them. These kinds of alternate ways of looking at things and things that perspectives that don't get discussed too often are areas that I like to capitalize on. And uh, hopefully it resonates with a lot of people that I speak to at these, uh, these conferences and these events and so on, because um, it can help them. It can help their clients if they have any who fall into the same categories too. So, you know, it's, it's definitely not, not um, subject matter that I've seen at a lot of content, uh, a lot of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, conferences. Um, and so that's kind of how I've made a little vein as well. So I try to sort of stick that sort of stuff in there, whatever the talk is. I try to get a way to sort of link to that kind of subject matter too. Definitely. And I mean, just to kind of like vouch for you with your presentation, like there, there are a few people who present in a similar fashion, like Megan Calloway, she stands out she's very hands-on in, in the way that she presents. But just basically when it comes to your presentation specifically, I can attest to the fact that I can still remember some of it. I wouldn't be able to like demonstrate it for you again, but there's like little demos. I can remember who you used for the demos in Kansas City. I can remember um, what kind of a setup that you had in Edmonton at uh, the university. And it's just like for me to be able to actually remember that um, says a lot about the style of presentation that you did and how, how I was receptive to it. Like not everybody learns the same, but for me it was like, okay, like that actually stuck, stuck. Like, cause so many people, the thing that holds them back from going to these in-person uh, seminars is, um, the cost and it's just like well um to give people some context from my point of view the it's not just the presentation that you're going there for and it's not just the networking like half the time like as a bit of an introvert myself like i go to the thing and i look people in the eye but i don't necessarily have like the same conversations that i have on a podcast i just kind of i've seen the human being in person um but the thing that really kind of made it especially more valuable was that added layer to understanding that like the presenters are just people like um 
because a person can get into that cycle of watching all these posts. Like, let's say a person watches every single post that you put on Instagram, every single post you put on Facebook, they read all your articles, they're going to have you on a pedestal. Um, and then when they have like a discouraging day, they're going to think, oh, well, Lee Boyce, he never has a bad day kind of thing. Um, to, to see you present and just see you in the flesh and then be able to, to understand like, no, like he is just on his day, like 50,000 and I am on my day 1000 kind of thing. We just got to like keep putting in the reps kind of thing. I think I, I look at the industry in a very holistic lens like that. We have to be okay in order to deliver our best product to our client. Like we're working with people, but we are also people in ourselves, um, and so just even for that point of view, I think it's valuable for people to go see in-person presentations, not only because having that engagement is going to stick in their brain, but also because like, there is a lot of like, um, movement within the industry, in the industry, out of the industry, doing online, not doing online. There's things that are out of our control and the more relatability that we have from like the people that we're learning from, and then from the people who are like, on our heels kind of thing, the more relatable we have, like the easier it is to see a sense of community. And that's just like that, that is like the meat and potatoes for me. Like I, I ask people about times when they've been held back or set back or challenged because I want to have that kind of out there so that the people who are feeling challenged and looking for answers on podcasts actually have an opportunity to realize, Oh no, like they're, there's a lot of us that are kind of on the same journey, but we're just on different, different steps of that journey. hundred um, percent. One name that I should have mentioned in the, you asked me for a list of trainers that uh, gigantic inspiration for me, quite possibly in the top five of the list that I gave was Tony Genelcore. Um, Tony's turned into a good friend of mine as well. Um, you know, we'll send each other texts. We see each other in person whenever I'm in the same city that he's speaking at. We spoke on the same panels before written for the same places. A lot of times, so like Tony Janelcore has turned into probably one of the closer friends of mine as well um, in, in the fitness world, that is, right? And, um, you know, if there's one person who really showed me um, kind of like what humanizes a trainer, what humanizes a trainer who's often put on such a pedestal or who has very, very big notoriety in the industry, um, it's been him. Um, and, you know, he just, he keeps it super real. And he, like, he know like it's, this is a big hustle game. This whole industry is a big hustle game and it always will be because it's a luxury that we're trying to give clients to afford, number one. Um, it's very, very much based on what demographic region you kind of live in as well or what demographic region you operate in. And um, it's extremely volatile. It's You don't know what's going to happen to knock it out, just like this pandemic showed. And so, um, you know, regardless of what levels of success you've achieved or what kinds of accomplishments you've got under your belt and whatnot, you're still always going to have those thoughts that I was talking about about 10 minutes ago, which is like, you know, well, what about when I'm 60? What about what down the road? What kinds of things am I going to do with my career? What's next? And so on. So um, those kinds of things will always be um you know, present in the mind of a trainer. And it doesn't matter where they've been, how, how they've been, how big they've gotten, how good they are, whatever, whatever, right? It's, it's always going to be there. And uh, yeah, Tony, I've, he, he's a real one, you know, that's a real one right there. And uh, I have a lot of respect for him and not to mention all the things that he's done. And he's, uh, he's, he's a solid dude too. So I had to bring that up just to, uh, because your point that you were making really spoke, uh, really reminded me of that. And that really spoke to me about that.
That's awesome. And I like that you mentioned him because he's someone that I haven't asked to be on the podcast yet. And I really should, like, even if he was too busy just to have actually reached out. Because, like, with Dean Somerset living in Edmonton, Tony Genelcore has always been on my radar because those guys are, like, intertwined. It's like you don't get one without the other. But uh, it, it's cool to kind of hear you um, sort of reflect on, on the impact that he's had on you because it kind of... Uh, yeah, it's just it's the same as how I would speak to to some of the people who have helped me along the way. Um, to to keep us on track for time, lately I've had my guests give a challenge to the audience, and it's kind of something that they could do with their day. It doesn't have to be fitness, it doesn't have to be lifestyle. It could be just something totally random, but something that you think that if they did it, um, it would probably enrich their life or uh, give them a different way to see things. So essentially, what you got to do is you just say. Your challenge for the day is, and then you just put it out to them. Go through your social media account, maybe your Instagram account, and take a look at everybody you're following and unfollow the ones that don't have any sort of positive impact for you or your career or your your life, whatever. Um, you know, so if you're following a bunch of junky accounts or trash or thirsty Thursday, whatever it is, you know, you just want to make sure that that stuff gets wiped out. That will prove to be a very big challenge for a lot of people because of the fact that people don't want to lose that stream of, of uh, showing up in their newsfeed or whatever it is. They don't want to lose that. And they might be very self-aware that they do follow a lot of crap and there's a lot of trash out there or whatever. Um, and, you know, they might be following something for the wrong reasons even, you know, and uh, if they are doing that, you know, how much is that going to enrich the quality of your life or your career or whatever? And... You know, maybe it's a good idea for you to just like have that out, out of the out of the way. So I think that um, it's easier said than done, but go through a little series of unfollows and see how it makes you feel. That is awesome advice. And obviously it's going to be very difficult because uh, a lot of people, yeah, it's just like you say, it's like they they might not know why they're following or whatever. And it's kind of like asking a person to throw out their favorite pair of underwear. It's probably gotten them, gotten them through some things and they kind of don't want to part with it. But if they got a different pair, they'd probably feel a lot better. You know, it's funny because like I, geez, what do I have? I have 34,000 or whatever on Instagram, but I follow under 100 people, right? And uh, I consider that number to be a gigantic number. Like, why am I following 98 people? Like, that's so many people to be following and trying to keep abreast with and all that stuff. But then I see people who have like, you know, 5,000 people on their Instagram that they, they, they follow them. And then they're following 3,500 people as well. And I'm like, my news feed is littered with stuff. What would theirs look like, you know? And how is it even possible to follow that much stuff? So that just speaks to the point that both of us have made now is that it might be a, a good idea to do a little bit of spring cleaning and uh, just shrink that number, sort of remove some of the smut that's coming through and uh, see if you can maybe stay focused on some better quality content overall. So that's the only thing that's sort of infiltrating your system and infiltrating your, uh, your mind too. Definitely. And with that being said, and I'll get you to hang on the call for some quick feedback, but I'd like to thank you so much for, for coming back on the podcast. Of course, it's always my pleasure and uh, looking forward to the next time.